Welcome to Lost in Insight. I'm Mark Fancourt-Smith. And I'm Alexandra Stoichev. Thank you for joining us on our podcast brought to you by Lawson Lundell, LLP, Lawson Insight. On this episode, we will be speaking with Meg Gailey, a lawyer in Lawson Lundell's Research and Opinions Group in the Vancouver office. As part of the Research and Opinions Group, Meg advises clients and organizations on virtually all practice areas at the firm uh, and specializes in administrative law, commercial litigation, civil procedure and appellate practice, and professional conduct. Meg, welcome to the podcast. Hi, Meg. Hi. We wanted to have you on the podcast today to talk about the statutory tort relating to the non-consensual disclosure of intimate images, or what's often referred to as anti-revenge porn legislation. There's been some developments in this area of the law over the last few years, including legislation that was brought in a couple of years ago in Alberta called the Protecting Victims of Non-Consensual Distribution of Intimate Images Act. Meg, what can you tell us about why this legislation came to be? Thanks, Mark. Yeah. So as I think everyone is aware, just through paying attention to the media, um, people in the 21st century often record themselves or send intimate images of themselves to their their partners. Um, And when a relationship breaks down, somebody, the partner, uh, one of the partners could distribute these intimate images further, um, you know, sort of more broadly, post them on the internet, send them to their friends. And you've also seen situations where people have surreptitiously recorded people, like your standard sort of creepy peeping Tom type uh, scenario. Or I think in Vancouver, there's a fairly well-known case where um, in a restaurant, a chef was surreptitiously recording in the women's washroom. And while there's been, in 2015, um, the criminal code, the Canadian criminal code was amended and this became a crime where somebody was taking intimate images of people, which is a defined term. It's basically pictures of your sex organs or in the case of women of your breasts and or, you know, people engaged in sexual activity. And that had been a crime since 2015. And so what's happened in the sort of five or six years since then is that the the provinces started enacting legislation to make it a tort, to make it a civil wrong. So not just the crime. One of the reasons for that is probably because in order to go ahead with the criminal process, the police get involved, the crown gets involved. Um, people are somewhat reluctant to go into court because they have this um, well, because of well-known cases where women who, it's primarily women who have had this happen to them, end up themselves becoming victimized through the criminal process. It also resulted from two high-profile cases in Canada involving fairly young women, young women in their teens, one in British Columbia named Amanda Todd and another young woman in Nova Scotia named Retea Parsons, both of whom were the victims of harassment, cyberbullying, where intimate images of themselves were posted on the internet and the person who did it was harassing them. And it's just absolutely tragic because in both of those cases, the young women killed themselves. So this, the the enactment of these kinds of statutes, the legislation, the civil civil, uh, legislation was in response to sort of way to help people get these images taken off the screen, get injunctive relief, get these things stopped as quickly as possible. 
So that's where it was coming from. Uh, and so, Meg, how does Alberta's legislation address some of these issues that you've mentioned? Well, Alberta is one of the few provinces. I, I mentioned the case, uh, the, the young woman in Nova Scotia. So Nova Scotia, uh, Manitoba and Alberta, as well as Saskatchewan through its Privacy Act, all have very specific legislation. In Alberta, the statute is called Protecting Victims of Non-Consensual Distribution of Intimate Images Act. And the tort, people refer to the tort as NCDII. It's a bit of a mouthful. Um, what it does is it creates a statutory tort, meaning a civil wrong, without proof of damages. And so if you're someone who, I mean, the classic example is you've been in a relationship, your ex takes the intimate picture, sends it off to his or her friends or posts it on the internet because they're mad or they're for whatever reason, who knows? And so upon finding that out, you can commence an action and what the statute in Alberta does is it gives you, once you've commenced your action, you can get the court to issue an injunction to get those images taken down. But you can also seek damages um, the same way you would for a tort and, you know, get the action moving fairly quickly. You don't have to go through the criminal court process. Um one of the things that it does is it recognizes, like the criminal code definition of an intimate image, it recognizes that the picture that you may have sent to your ex is something over which you can claim privacy. It's a private image. It's an intimate image. It's not meant for disclosure. You didn't consent to it being disclosed. It, you know, you deserve some remedies for it. Um, the other thing in the Alberta legislation, which is good for those of us that have teenagers, parents aren't necessarily liable um, for the teenager's actions. So I have a teenage son. Let's say he decides to distribute an intimate image of a friend or, or whoever. I, under the Alberta legislation, if this were happening in Alberta, I would not be fiscally responsible for or monetarily responsible for any damages awarded to him unless I participated in that distribution. The other thing about the act, too, is that it makes it a defense to the statutory tort if it's a public, if it's in the public interest. I don't know exactly how to come up with a hypothetical for you, Alex, of what would be a, an intimate image that was in the public interest, but... <laughs> Perhaps by the end of our conversation, we can come up with one. Um, and so what what sorts of decisions have we seen arising from this type of legislation, whether in Alberta or in other jurisdictions? I understand there aren't a lot. There aren't a lot at all. And um, I did some research on that uh, prior to having this conversation. Um, in Nova Scotia, there's been one case that's gone ahead it did not involve intimate images. In Nova Scotia, their legislation also includes cyberbullying. And in that case, it was a situation where um, an ex-spouse was posting really nasty, negative, harassing comments on a Facebook page and on the internet. And so the case went ahead. The court found that this was in violation of the Nova Scotia statute, and the court awarded damages to um, the person who was being harassed. 
The damages in that case, the plaintiff was originally seeking something in the order of $750,000. The respondent, the people who had been posting the images, they argued that the damages should be very nominal and only $2,000. And the court ended up awarding $85,000, or I think it was closer, sorry, $75,000. So the awards are not huge. But again, in that case, and that just came down last summer in June of 2020, it didn't involve intimate images. And um, I think that factored into the court's decision. I couldn't find any cases out of Alberta or any other cases that involved intimate images. But that's not to say that they haven't been happening. They could have been settled by this. And and on that topic of damages, am I correct in understanding that sort of like with the tort of defamation, you've got a situation where damages are presumed to exist um, yes. rather than yeah. having to, yeah. Which yeah. is, a, I think, an interesting aspect of this legislation um, in Alberta in terms of making this legislation more available to people um, or recovery under this legislation more available to people. Yeah, I mean, all of the, all of the statutes make the tort of NCDII, non-consensual disclosure of intimate images, a tort that's actionable without proof of damage. So that's exactly it. Like, you don't have to demonstrate, you don't have to show or quantify the exact harm that you have suffered. Um, and the case can go forward more quickly or easily on that basis. I just wanted to get back to the... Um something you mentioned a few minutes ago, which was the, the conception of these images as as ones over which a privacy interest can be claimed. Because in BC, we don't have this kind of legislation. And instead, as I understand it, the civil prosecution of issues of these kind is happening by way of privacy legislation. So um, do you have a sense of why BC would have taken this approach and whether or not it's effective? I don't know the rationale for why BC took that approach. Um, and I, I, I don't think they've actually turned their minds to taking that approach. I think the Privacy Act was already in existence before the legislation. I mean, the legislation in Nova Scotia and Alberta and the other prairie provinces is very recent. As Alex said, it's only come down, it's only been enacted um, in the last four or five years, whereas BC's Privacy Act has been in force longer than that. And so what we see in those provinces where they don't have one of these statutes is people going ahead claiming the tort of invasion of privacy or, you know, and in BC, that went under the Privacy Act. Um, there's a fairly well-known case in British Columbia. There, there aren't a ton of these cases that get all the way to court. But one of the cases in British Columbia, and it's, it's under initials, so I'm not going to say it, but it's actually fairly disturbing. It involved a young woman. I think by the time you know she was in her late teens, early 20s, and it was discovered that her stepfather or her mother's intimate partner was video recording her surreptitiously when she was taking a shower and getting dressed. Um, they brought, he claimed, he, he pled guilty to the criminal offense, and so he pled guilty and uh, was sentenced under that and became a registered sex offender. But she also brought a civil action against him. And the court, she claimed uh, the torts of battery and assault in addition to the invasion of privacy. The court did not uphold the claims for the battery and the assault, but they did award damages for the invasion of privacy. And in that case, like the one we saw out of Nova Scotia last summer, the amount of damages was about $85,000. 
What's one of the drawbacks uh, of proceeding under uh, privacy legislation as opposed to having sort of the, the the more focused or specialized legislation that Alberta and and Nova Scotia and Manitoba have? I think it's just the simple recognition that you don't have to go through when you're going it forward in a jurisdiction like Alberta or Nova Scotia. It's a given that the surreptitious recording of intimate images is a tort, is problematic. It is a statutory tort. Whereas in British Columbia, at least as it stands now, um, you, you know, the person had to, to show that, had to make out the elements, had to show that it harmed them, that sort of stuff. Um, the, you know, there's a case out of Ontario recently where, just recently, like within the past two months, where the Ontario courts, because Ontario, like BC, is another jurisdiction that doesn't have the very specific statutory tort of non-consensual disclosure of intimate images, but this or cyber bullying. And in that case, the judge found that there is a tort of internet harassment. Um, I don't know if that answers your question so much, Mark, but... No, it, it does. It does. Thanks. You know, our discussion today has focused on the different approaches taken by the provinces. And I understand that there has been some discussion about uh, creating a uniform law um, that would deal with this issue across the country. Of course, that's complicated to some degree because the federal government, of course, has jurisdiction to address these issues from a criminal law standpoint um, and the provinces from a civil law standpoint. Um, but I'm wondering if you can talk a little bit about um, the uh, potential approach taken by the Uniform Law Conference of Canada and where that might be headed. Sure. So in 2018, I mean, the Uniform Law Conference of Canada um the Uniform Law Conference is very active in the United States. They have a lot of uniform codes. Canada, we have a few of them. And what they do is the Uniform Law Conference recommends where they see a need for uniformity across the country. They'll draft up legislation and recommend to the various provinces that they adopt it. And often they do. They don't necessarily refer to it as a uniform statute, but it, it will be the the wording that comes from the conference. Um, so in about 2018, a couple of professors, law professors, um, were actively involved in working up uniform legislation on the creating the statutory tort of non-consensual disclosure of intimate images. And one thing that is really interesting, and you hope that the uniform, the proposed uniform legislation is adopted, what they've done is they've created a statute that, unlike the existing statutes or the criminal code, it creates two avenues um, for remedies, and what it proposes it is that there's a basic fast-track um, avenue. So if you're someone and you discover that your intimate images have been distributed, you can get into court under this fast-track aspect of it and get an injunction to take those images down. Um, the legislation, the uniform legislation contemplates that the, uh, what is called the internet intermediary. So in other words, the indexing platform, the, the service that has been, you know, used to promote the images or distribute the images. They won't be held liable if they take all reasonable steps. So if you discover that somebody's posted something on Facebook, you 
contact Facebook. If Facebook agrees and they try and take it down, they won't be liable under the Uniform Act. And the idea is that you can get in as quickly as possible because everybody recognizes that the the biggest concern for people who have been victimized by this is getting those images permanently and quickly removed from the internet before they can really do long-standing, long-lasting harm. And then the, the proposed Uniform Act also has the traditional statutory tort. So in that respect, it's like the existing legislation. Well, Meg, thanks very much. I think it'll be really interesting to see, um, you know, whether there are decisions that come out of um, Alberta's legislation and the other legislation we've discussed today, and then also whether that um, draft uniform code um, is picked up by the provinces and and those two tracks that you talked about are come into um, legislation. So thanks for joining us today. You're welcome. Thank you. Yeah, thanks, Meg. Thanks. Thank you for joining us on Lost in Insight, and thanks again to Meg Gailey for joining us today. For more information on this issue, you can check out Meg's article in the Canadian Bar Association's October 2020 edition of Bar Talk, and there is a link to this article on the firm's website at lawsonlundell.com. You can also stay up to date by connecting with us on social media using the handle at lawsonlundell and by subscribing to the podcast on Apple, Spotify, or Google. Thanks very much for listening. Thanks for listening.